0: Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. For today's show, I sat down with Christy Kirkup, my former colleague at the Ottawa Bureau. Christy is a parliamentary reporter for The Globe.
1: So good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. I miss you. I know, I miss you too.
0: Christy will help us understand something that you might have noticed. Empty shelves at the grocery store.
1: One of the interesting things that is playing out in the food industry right now, this is according to experts and people who follow this really closely, is essentially this perfect storm that is resulting in some of the empty shelves that we are seeing. There's a lot of reasons for that.
0: Omicron is a big one, as industries across the board have workers out sick. There's also the recent snowstorm in Ontario, bad winter weather in general across the country,
1: And then you have uh, the presence of this vaccination mandate, and it's been in effect now for a a week and a bit.
0: This vaccine mandate now means that Canadian truckers, who bring in lots of goods and food across the U.S. border, are no longer exempt from COVID-19 vaccination rules. And this has sparked a political debate, and even a convoy of truckers rolling across the country towards a protest planned for this weekend in Ottawa.
1: We're just coming into Brandon.
0: Yeah, we can jump into it if if you're good to go.
1: Let's do it. This is
0: The Decibel. Let's delve into this, the vaccination mandate that you mentioned for truckers, which just came into effect, the U.S.-Canada border. Can you break this down for us a little bit? What happened there and what are the rules here now?
1: Yeah, so essentially the last couple of weeks have proved to be kind of confusing and we can get into Mm -hmm. why. But essentially, back in November, the federal government made an announcement, which was that specifically... Truck drivers uh, who had been previously exempt during the pandemic from specific quarantine measures that they were now going to be subject to those measures and the vaccination requirements, and that this was going to be ushered in in January. This was announced before Omicron was really, um, you know, seen as being with us. So this right. um, is something again that the experts have pointed out that the government had a certain policy plan in mind, and then things. We're looking a certain way and we're improving. And then things started to take a dramatic turn. And so Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he was really defending the move, saying that it was really important. He explained that for the first time in Canadian history, at the beginning of the pandemic, the Canada us border was shut down and that was a really big deal. So in order to allow for... Um, The free flow of uh, essential goods like medicine and food, they needed to have those exemptions in place. Why? Chapter one of the pandemic, we didn't know um, when there would be a vaccine, right? So it wasn't like they were going to introduce a vaccination mandate then because there wasn't an approved vaccinations in Canada. And then we saw, of course, um, vaccinations roll out last year. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, kind of Canada um, having this plan that as of um, January that this was going to be kicking in. Uh, Trudeau saying we're doing exactly what the United States is doing. They have a vaccination mandate in place. And so saying that in order to keep the supply chain safe and different people along the supply chain safe, that it was necessary for truck drivers at this very moment in the pandemic, now that there are approved vaccines and that there has been some runway that this needed to be ushered in. Hmm. However, the Canadian Trucking Alliance, which, by the way, is supportive of vaccination... They mentioned that this was going to cause problems, Manica. that about uh, 10 to 15 percent of drivers they suspected were um, not vaccinated. And they said that this was essentially on par with what the numbers were for other parts of the Canadian population.
0: Hmm. So at the beginning of the pandemic, truckers were exempt from the quarantine rules that the rest of us had to abide by. If you're crossing borders, you have to quarantine. So what is this change that was supposed to happen in mid-January exactly?
1: If you're a Canadian citizen, you can't be barred at the border from entering the country. But what the rules are is that if you are not vaccinated, that you have to quarantine. And if you are vaccinated, then you can carry on your way.
0: There are a lot of people right now who are upset about these these rules being put into place. Who doesn't like these rules?
1: The industry did flag to the government that this was going to create problems because... There's also the issues that have been going on in the trucking industry, and that includes a shortage of drivers, available drivers on the road. And so the Canadian Trucking Alliance had said that they were worried about the number of drivers and how this vaccination mandate was going to, again, reduce the number of available drivers that could be out on the road. However, the Canadian Trucking Alliance has made it very, very clear that they are not in support of the recent convoy that we have seen where this is drivers from different parts of the country making a pledge that they're you know, making a big trek to Ottawa and they're going to be vocalizing their very strong opposition to vaccination mandates. So I want to be very clear that um, the Trucking Alliance does not agree with this approach and they have most uh, certainly tried to distance themselves from it. But there are drivers who are part of this convoy um, really organizing on social media, Manica. And that's kind of the window into this kind of um, protest, if you will, that we're seeing. And we're also seeing people from different walks of life who are supporting the truck drivers that are at the center of this convoy. Um, according to a GoFundMe page, uh, some uh, $4.3 million has been raised in the way wow. of donations um, for the truckers who are um, part of this specific protest. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that just gives us an indication as to the the degree of support that they are getting. Mm-hmm. We've also seen a number of Conservative MPs speaking out in support of this convoy, um, namely uh, former Conservative leader Andrew Scheer, um, suggesting that the prime minister is essentially infringing on people's liberties. And hence, this is kind of part of the messaging of this convoy, if you will, that this is a freedom convoy and the truckers are making their way to the nation's capital to vocalize their opposition to what the government is doing here.
0: So this convoy that, that we're talking about, so this started in BC, and it's essentially rolling across the country, supposed to arrive in Ottawa at the, at the end of January, this, this coming weekend. Do we know who's behind this convoy and, and who's kind of organized this this fundraising effort for them?
1: Yeah, so definitely because this is something that is being taken up on social media, I think it has several different tentacles, but what we do know is that the GoFundMe effort was specifically launched by a person by the name of Tamara Litch, who was the secretary and member of uh, the Western uh, Governing Council of the Alberta-based Maverick Party. And um, the party has made some public statements suggesting that it is not directly involved with this convoy, but again, um Tamara Lich's name is listed as um, the the organizer of the GoFundMe page. and I'll just point out that the Maverick Party was really created um and uh, supported the notion of a separation from Canada um by uh, provinces in the west. Uh, so that's just mm-hmm. a bit of bit of background about one of the individuals that we know is part of this uh, effort
0: mm-hmm. so in some ways, I mean even though this is based around kind of an industry of truckers here. It sounds like there's a lot of political stuff that's really in the background behind this movement.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is kind of what is coming to a head specifically for um, the prime minister as well. I would say that this is kind of in keeping with the federal government's kind of grander um, political argument at this point of the pandemic, Manica, Mm -hmm. which is I would say it's essentially that they are trying to turn the screws where they can. So what I mean by that is we have seen that the federal government has instituted that every single person in Canada who boards a flight or who gets on a train has to be vaccinated. That's just the rule, because they are able to usher that in at the federal level. And um, for example, with the federal public service, they said, even if you are working at home, that you if you're going to be working for the federal government, you need to be vaccinated. And again, the trucking industry being a little different in that they had been subject to those exemptions that we talked about early on in the pandemic, essentially in order to keep the country rolling during a really challenging moment in history. Now the government is saying, when it comes to vaccination, they believe that the path out of this pandemic is vaccination. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is I think they're becoming more hard lined in that messaging at this juncture of the pandemic, because it's now been almost two years. And it's of course, a public health crisis, but it's also an economic crisis too. And so the government is trying to ensure that every single person they can kind of possibly put the squeeze on to get vaccinated is indeed uh, fully vaccinated.
0: I'm wondering about how this is playing out on the, the national political scene. So we've talked about what the government is trying to do here with these mandates, with trying to get people vaccinated. How are the opposition parties responding to this?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the federal NDP has made it clear that they are on board with vaccination, but their transport critic did write to the transport minister uh, suggesting that, you know, the need for clarity and also mentioning the issues with respect to the supply chain. And they felt that the government really needed to be um, keeping an eye on this. I was watching
0: Aaron Tools press conference yesterday where he is talking mm-hmm. about supply chain mm-hmm. stuff, but a lot of the questions that uh, journalists were asking him were actually about this trucking convoy. Some conservative MPs have expressed support online for, for the convoy. Can you give us a sense of, I guess, Aaron O'Toole's response to this situation here?
1: Yeah, so Aaron O'Toole, for his part, um, seems to be trying to, you know, he essentially suggested at this news conference that he was not going to be weighing in on a specific protest, that he doesn't see that being his role as leader. So um, if people are wondering, you know, if he was going to show up at the, um, you know, rally uh, whenever people uh, arrive and converge in, in the nation's capital, I think we can draw from his comments that that is likely not to be the case. That being said, we've seen a bit of activity again from some of uh, the backbench Conservative MPs kind of posting videos of themselves, recording messages of support. And, um, you know, in the way of Aaron O'Toole, he's kind of trying to take a step back. And then other members of the caucus, I think, are clearly being allowed to, to say and, and do as, as they and decide to do. That, the most important of which... Is vaccines and we encourage everyone to get vaccinated and to get boosted.
0: You didn't answer my question uh, about uh, whether, yes, whether I did. You, Glenn. you didn't vaccines say whether you, whether you, you
1: critical tool. You didn't say whether you'd and meet with we them. Need you would be didn't say to what to make sure we keep well, store maybe, shelves maybe full. You can, maybe you can answer that's, in, in, that's in response to my next week,
0: question, sir. You can you can you can say whether that's you'd why, meet why with last them. week, Glenn, when
1: the policy of the federal government for less than twenty four hours.
0: And just going forward here, do we have a sense of the next couple of months or the next few weeks? What we can expect on the supply chain front?
1: It's unclear exactly where this story is going to go. People have suggested uh, to me that this is kind of the beginning of the worst. Mm. I think they're anticipating that there's going to be more supply chain problems that, again, if we just think about the weather factor, as I've kind of been laying out the various challenges, (laughs) sorry to be the bear of bad news, although I think a lot of us know that perhaps... February is a challenging time of the winter and there can be a lot of snow and this can create. So that plus, um, again, the projections around what's going to happen with Omicron and how this is going to be um, challenging, plus the presence of the vaccination mandate. Again, there's so many variables that come into play. And that's why I find this story really interesting as well, is that. Again, you kind of layer, it's like layer upon layer of challenge. You have Omicron, which people didn't really anticipate was going to come, and the impact that that would have on, again, a supply chain that involves real people moving goods um, and items across the border. And then you layer on top of that the challenges of driving in crazy snowstorms, for example. And then you have 10 to 15% of drivers. Um, who are part of you know the existing um, crew that that are not going to be able to be on the road because of this mandate? You know, people might be thinking this is simplistic. It, it's not. There's layer upon layer of the story that kind of makes this um, interesting and frankly fluid in terms of what what the impacts uh, are going to be on a day to day or a week to week basis. Um when we talk about this issue, what's really at the core is you know billions of dollars that are flowing across the border. Every single day. And so I think that sometimes we don't necessarily think about, um, you know, <laughs> the story of the fresh produce that you ended up picking up at the store, but it's made a long journey to a place like Canada, which, again, by the way, it's not like we have, um, you know, an ever growing supply of fresh peaches here uh, in, right. in Canada. We we just don't. And so, you know, this is an industry that we all rely on, hence why I think the story is you know, far reaching in terms of its impacts because people are just trying to figure out what what does this mean? How am I going to be affected? How is the consumer going to be affected? Is it going to drive up costs? And these are some of the themes, again, I think that have been picked up.
0: Christy, it was so great to talk to you. Thank you for being here.
1: Likewise. Thank you so much.
0: That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Michal Stein produced this episode. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pacenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.